today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the Quest for Six. 49er Faithful, Gold Cast Empire. This is our final Gold Cast before the Super Bowl. That means the next time we get back together, we will either be discussing the triumph of the 49ers or the tragedy of the 49ers. And uh, we're going to talk all about what we think that is going to be after talking to people, after listening to all the pundits all week long, going back and forth and hearing what everyone has to say. This is your Super Bowl mega mix. Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash the Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the Goldcast. Like, subscribe, and comment because we'd like to hear from you, and we certainly need to hear from you after today's episode because I want everybody chiming in on their Super Bowl predictions. Oh yeah, this is this is it. Raymond, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ray Solis and Instagram at Ray Solis One. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram at Rudy Solis Three and Twitter at Rudy Solis Three R D. This is it. The most important preview matchup of the season, the most important preview matchup, Raymond, we've ever done. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think the previous one was probably 2012. Yeah. Prob- wait, I think wait, that's, no. Well, well, were I we think, doing the cast then? I think we debuted them Six the 13th. Six years ago. I think it was yeah, the 13th was we debuted. 2013 season. Oh, thank yeah. God. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I have no memory of that cast, but I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. So, here we go. We are here. Your professor of fanalism, he is in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game is here. Class is in session. Let's go. Super Bowl edition. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis I, baby. Boom! Raymond, it is here. The moment is upon us. The 49ers landed in Miami at the beginning of the week on Sunday. Kansas City Chiefs did too. Everyone rocking the white gear, the the uh, the the classic Miami palm trees, dress shirts. We have heard people from every single corner of the sports universe have a discussion about who is going to win this game. I've heard so many different arguments. I've heard every which way. The one thing that everyone seems to be able to agree on, Raymond, the one thing everyone, everybody seems to be able to agree on is that this game is so well-matched and that these teams are, they line up so very well against each other 
the, the that everyone expects this game to be very close and to be quite the barn burner. That is the one thing everyone agrees on. I would say that overall, looking at Fox Sports News, ESPN, The Ringer, Barstool Sports, I mean, you name it. You you know, which show are we talking about? Good Morning Football, uh, um, uh, First Things First, First Take, Undisputed, you know, a Ringer NFL show, fantasy footballers. I mean, how many, you know, the gold cast. I mean, how many shows can we discuss that have, have broken down this game with various people, various guests? This game has been picked apart and analyzed over and over again. I've watched the Rubik's Cube of the Super Bowl. I've had to listen to the Rubik's Cube of the Super Bowl for the last two straight weeks just be looked at over and over and over again. And there's a couple major narratives, Ray, really going into this game um, that I want to discuss, uh, th- and then we'll get we'll start looking at you know, the favorite er- pregame stats that you and I like to look at before each game. But uh, the big, the big, the big question going into this game that where everyone believes, at least the general consensus of where this game will be won. That the real battle is not Jimmy G versus Mahomes, and we've heard the pretenders say that, the Nick Wrights of the world say that. But the real battle for this game is really Patrick Mahomes and our front four. That is truly in the trenches, down the middle. This is where the game will most likely be won or lost for one of these two teams. And that seems to very a very to be a very big general consensus. The other big consensus going in, the other major narrative that I've heard all week is that the 49ers don't trust Jimmy G, that Kyle Shanahan uh, does not have a lot of trust in Jimmy G, that that's what they're hearing out of quote-unquote 49ers camp, which we all know isn't true, that uh, the, the 49ers are hiding Jimmy G, despite the fact that every time we've had to lean on Jimmy G, he's been absolutely fabulous. And the, the 49ers do what it takes to win. We do not care how pretty it looks, how ugly it looks, how sexy it looks. It doesn't matter to us. We do what it takes to win. It's a very Belichickian style. And Jimmy G, coming from Tom Brady, he just goes with the flow, whatever they need him to do. He is more than capable of go- passing for 300 yards, four touchdowns, and putting the game in his hands, especially against a Kansas City defense that's n- not the strongest. So we've heard this narrative a lot. We heard the narrative that the 49ers, what they really want to do is run the ball, and that the Kansas City Chiefs, what they want to do is pass the ball. And this is one of the things I actually agree with when it comes to Kansas City. This is all they really have is passing the ball. I think offensively, they pretty much have one dimension, and we all know what that dimension is, and they're the best at that dimension. So there's no real debate in that. The uh, I think the real debate comes in the 49ers, and if all they want to do is quote-unquote run, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's – these are like the big narratives that are coming into the story, right? These are the ones. The defense of the 49ers versus the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs. People don't have any, any qualms with the fact that the 49ers – a running game is going to be able to score points. A lot of people doubt Jimmy G's ability to win in the big moment, and everybody is 100% positive that Patrick Mahomes is going to arrive. And everyone, a lot of people seem to be very confident that Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to outduel our front four and be able to outduel this defense. And that that is a, a common narrative. And I would say that overall, after watching the pundits this week, it, I would say it's probably split. 65-35 in favor of the Chiefs. 
You know, it, it's it's not a 50-50 split. It's not a 60-40 split. I I say most more more a little bit more than that. I would say 65-35 in favor of the Chiefs. Would you agree with that or do you think that number is a little too generous to the Chiefs? You think it's closer to 50-50? What are your thoughts? I've heard I've seen some leans towards the Chiefs especially in the beginning because the Chiefs came off of a, you know, back-to-back wins in comeback fashion and the Niners were more dominant in their win and you know the focus there was defense and rushing and the Chiefs it was you know defense when they needed it and a whole lot of passing and a a blatant disregard for the run not necessarily because the passing was so good but because they can't run you know they're ranked 23rd in the NFL in that category and they just haven't really been the same since Kareem Hunt left. But uh, I, I don't believe, I'm not in agreement with all of the narratives that you laid out. And we'll obviously get into it. But Oh, yeah. But what do you think I is the do, overall do, general consensus think, of the, what would you say the, 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 what is the, what is the split between everyone on who, on all of the pundits on television? What would you say the percentage that think the Chiefs are going to win versus the percentage that think the 49ers are going to win? What do you think that split is? I think in the beginning it was more 70-30-60-40 in favor of the Chiefs, but as the weeks as these two weeks have gone on, I've seen more of a 50-50. Okay. So Raymond I mean it also doesn't help that some of the platforms that like, you know, if you listen to KMBR and Greg Papa and John Lund and you're listening to them on Radio Row, everyone that comes on is, you know, a former Niner or something like that. So that I I don't I don't necessarily count that because it's obviously extremely biased but some of the other stuff like first things first and and uh undisputed i haven't listened to a whole lot of first take just because they kind of annoy me but uh i do listen to i actually kind of like undisputed more than first take yes i do because (laughs) i think shannon sharp knows what he's talking about and skip skip actually is a bit for some reason shannon sharp kind of mellows him out and keeps him keeps him at a more rational you know, Bay versus Max and Stephen A, who just seems to get more outlandish as the years go on. They 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 only seem to enable each other. They don't. Max used to be the voice of reason, and I really enjoyed him, but he really has seemed to have kind of lost his grip in the last couple of years. He's just a hot take machine now. He was never like that when he first came on. He was far more rational, but he's. I feel like he's just he's tough to listen to as the years have gone on. Yeah, he is. And I and as a result, I just don't listen to it. But, uh, you know, the people that come on to the Undisputed to discuss it, they've been kind of back and forth. You know, Shannon uh, was more in line with the Chiefs, but he was definitely also had a slight lean towards the Niners because defense, he knows that. And this also is predicated on the fact that he played for Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad, and knows what um, knows what Kyle's running schematically. And believes in that formula because that formula brought back-to-back titles to Denver. So seeing that, seeing an evolved, almost revolutionized version of that in this iteration of the 49ers through Kyle Shanahan really kind of helped uh, Shannon Sharp, or not really helped, but kind of has convinced Shannon Sharp to a majority degree that, you know, the Niners are going to win. I didn't look at all of it, but... Um, but yeah, I would say it's more even now. Nice. For sure. 
All right, so let's let's start going into the numbers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Super Bowl 54, where the Kansas City Chiefs are be will be playing the San Francisco 49ers in what has to be a I think for most fans of the national scene just a breath of fresh air two teams two young quarterbacks all brand new faces and we're finally beginning to shed ourselves of not only the New England dynasty but the shadows of the Aaron Rodgers Drew Brees um you know Peyton Manning Tom Brady all the guys that kind of dominated the last uh, the 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 for the most part most of this 21st century these guys have been at the forefront all of them are gone and you know Breeze is considering retirement Philip Rivers just retired this is truly the mark of a new era and uh, let's yeah, go over the these numbers going to be wild for some of the remaining you know old guard I'm oh yeah to see what happens during free agency I'm curious too so Super Bowl. 54, uh, the date of it will be Sunday, February 2nd, 2020. This Sunday, the time will be 3.30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is going to be taking place at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. It will be on Fox. The San Francisco, Kansas City Chiefs are favored by one and a half points. That's how close it is. The total over-under is 54.5 points. San Francisco plus 112, KC minus 128. All right, so let's go through some more stats. Kansas City is averaging 29.8 points per game, including the playoffs. That is number three in the NFL. Kansas City, on the other hand, defensively, is surrendering 20.2 points per game, including the playoffs, which is 12th in the NFL. Pretty good. Averaging 29 points, surrendering 20. San Francisco is averaging 30.2 points per game, including the playoffs. Number two in the NFL. Some pundits NFL. have missed that. They've mm-hmm. missed that, that, that difference there because, you know, the, you know, pardon the interruption, but I, I, uh, now we're Michael Wilbon and that other guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, now, um, you know, it's, I've seen a lot of pundits, Tony former pros for, yeah, that former pros forget that, the Niners were a, a higher scoring offense. I mean, the, dis- the disparity between the two is very diminutive. But the fact remains that we scored more points than the Chiefs. We just did it in a more balanced fashion. We didn't do it in the kind of glamorous, sexy way that the Chiefs did it, it being, you know, primarily one dimensional. But an important statistic, you know, that uh, that people overlook. Absolutely. Now, San Francisco's defense is surrendering 18.9 points per game, including the playoffs, which is tied for number five in the NFL. So Kansas City surrendering 20.2. San Francisco surrendering 18.9. Kansas City's at 12. We are at tied for five. Kansas City defeated the Tennessee Titans 35-24 to at home in the AFC Championship game. San Francisco defeated the Packers 37-20, very similar scores, at home in the NFC Championship game. As I already mentioned, the Chiefs are favored to win one and a half points. This is one of the lowest uh, spreads in Super Bowl history. It's basically a pick It's only the third time this has happened and now we get to have Patrick Mahomes versus Jimmy G 
in and, and what does a what does a pick'em mean for for the listeners who may not understand what that so, term is? So a pick'em because Raymond and I are degenerate sports gamblers, <laughs> so intense. Oh no, yeah, 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 half my salary. <laughs> we never bet. Uh, so um, a pick'em in Vegas, a pick'em is essentially when the the odds are so tight. Vegas is just a just they they actually don't lay a spread down, and it's just a pick'em. You pick who you think is going to win. Very rare, almost never happens. But this is very close to it. One and a half points is you know slim to no margin, and now. Here we are, Raymond, and those are those are the stats that I love to look at. And the, as you can see, they're very close. I mean, we're talking really, really close for both teams. And injuries have marred these numbers just a little bit. You know, you had Patrick Mahomes who was out for several games with an injury, uh, which is possibly why that point spread isn't a little higher. But you also have a 49er defense that was pretty banged up through the middle of the season from about week 10 through uh, week week six and uh, sixteen and seventeen was pretty banged up and allowed more points than it it normally would have and so how many points are they surrendering I think is a little bit higher than it normally would be so I think both those both those uh, aspects are possibly a little bit muddy due to injury and are not quite a full representation of what either team is capable of but Raymond why don't you go over your favorite numbers well to me. One of the big ones that stood out to me was the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, is the fact that this Niners offense is a was a higher ranked scoring offense than the Kansas City Chiefs. We put up more points, and granted, Patrick Mahomes missed a couple games that you know could have perhaps swayed that more into their favor, or perhaps even overtaken our rankings. But to be fair, conversely, there was a period where Matt Breida wasn't playing. Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey weren't playing. George Kittle was not playing. Emmanuel Sanders wasn't playing. So there was, there was a lot more hindrances happening on our side of the football outside a quarterback that greatly affected the offense's ability to put up points. And those games, you know, those games uh, did see a difference, uh, you know, a dip in the, offensive production as a result of that so so keep that in mind you know there there is room for both arguments on both sides of the football defensively is really where I see the biggest disparity and you have the number one pass rank defense going up against the number five rank passing offense and the teams that were ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs not all of them I think are you know there it's more of a their stats are a little padded. You know, for example, Tampa Bay was the number one passing offense, and they had a virtually their running game was almost non existent. I believe it was worse in terms of ranking than Kansas City. And we all know that a lot of the production that Jameis Winston put out was equal to his positive, you know, his, 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 I would say his, his positive output out offensive production was pretty much equal with his negative offensive production. I think he threw more picks than touchdowns, but he was like through like something like 60 between uh, over 60 between touchdowns and interceptions. I think it was 30 for 30 or something like that. It was it was pretty bad. But if you rein that in, you know, hey, you know, you might have something there, but who knows because you have some, <laughs> you know, you have some worthy receivers there. But you're going to have to go to the Tropical Cast 
to listen to more of the uh, what what happens on in the sunny side of Tampa Bay over there. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 swashbuckler cast. The the ahoy matey cast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They have a few iterations over there that talk about the beautiful weather and the amazing receivers that they have there that uh, are could have even greater potential under a more disciplined quarterback. But back to the back to the matchup, you know, I always like to start with the uh the health of these teams and with the exception of Chris Jones, I think Chris Jones, he didn't play in the previous two playoff games. He's most likely going to play in this game to what degree I'm unsure of. I haven't heard anything about Jaquaski Tart who was nursing his injury um is reaggravated ribs from uh earlier in the season but i think two weeks off it will you know it, it should be you know i haven't heard anything that he's you know everything he was he was limited in wednesday and in thursday i assume he's going to be a full go the only people that have been limited are tart quan alexander and tevin coleman so quan alexander is limited as a precaution, not because he's not ready to go, but they're just being cautious because they want him to participate. So they're not trying to overwork his practice load so that he stays ready because we know that back pectoral tear, it, he recovered faster than usual. And, you know, that's a, that was a serious injury that could have knocked him out for the rest of the season. But, uh, you know, coming back from that, I think you definitely want to just take precaution. Let let him, you know, unearth his 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 true energy on the field on Sunday. Tevin Coleman had a separated shoulder. He wasn't participating, but he was limited in Wednesday and Thursday. So he was back in participation rotation. And Joukowsky Tart, same thing as I mentioned. He was participated in practice on Thursday and Thursday. We'll see what tomorrow brings. I know that Chris Jones was a full go on Wednesday and Thursday with that calf injury. Travis Kelsey was dealing with a knee, but we know he's going to practice. He was a full participant. Their center, Austin Relter, was dealing with a wrist injury. He was a full go. And the tight end, who's not even, you know, is is a more of a, probably a blocking tool than anything else of the tight end. He was dealing with an Achilles. He was a full participant today. So four versus three. All of these players are going to play. So both of these teams are going to come into this game virtually 100%, minus the guys that are on IR, like some of our uh, defensive line rotation guys. Almost all of them are gone, or at least half of them are gone. So that, and speaking of you know defensive line, the liner scrimmage, that to me is where this game is really going to be decided, like, like pretty much every other game, because that's, you know, the ball gets snapped at the liner scrimmage, and that's where... Battles are won and lost. And to me, the Niners have a very decisive advantage here. I don't think it's, you know, it's a matter of, uh, of you know, being super close and, and all that. I think there is a more of a significant advantage on San Francisco's side because of how many effective pass rushers that we have on that end. I know it was, it was kind of funny because Clark... Ryan Clark, the defensive end for Kansas City, mentioned that, hey, you know, the Niners haven't seen a player like me. I was like, actually, yeah, you you played for Seattle for uh, a few times. We've seen you actually many times. In fact, we used to see you twice a year. So 
I'm not sure, you know, what exactly he's talking about. You know, I think he's 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 just he's talking very confidently, and there has been a little bit of arrogant comments coming from the chief side, not a whole lot, but from both I sides. Think. You know, you know, Sherman guaranteed the game for Kobe Bryant, and not that you know, not that that's arrogant, but I mean, you know, there there's there's some swagger being thrown around. These are two very confident teams. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, rightfully you want to so. be confident going in there. You know, I you know I haven't heard anything that's too disparaging. Ryan Clark's really been the main voice that some of that stuff has come out of. I know the offensive coordinator said that you know the the goal is to score a touchdown on every single play. That's actually you know technically not true. We know that not every if you break one, sure, but you know the West Coast offense. There's plenty of plays that that doesn't happen. But you you know again if you break the right amount of tackles and get the right kind of lead blocks at the second and third level, then sure. Yeah. Every play has the possibility of doing that. You could say that about any team and in any offensive scheme, but you know, for that to be a, a, a deliberate part of the strategy within every single play that's written in the playbook, obviously there's a little bit of fluff going on there, but again, confidence coming from the coordinator. Yeah, of course. You know, you have the types of players that have broken lots of, they've had lots of explosives throughout the season. But remember, we're playing a team that has allowed the least amount of explosives in the National Football League, not, and including the, they have allowed the least amount of receptions of 20 yards or more. And again, this is, there's a reason why this is the number one pack pass ranked offense defense and that's because they're they have two things going for them a you have very capable a very capable group in the secondary between uh, emmanuel mosley richard sherman dukowski tart jimmy ward kawan williams and akella witherspoon at times and they are complemented by the defensive line that has five first round picks on there that have all contributed sacks this season. You know, Nick Bosa, the rookie, leading the charge in that category. So I just think that there's just a lot going on there. I, the one thing the Niners have to be careful about is man coverage. We saw a little bit of man mm-hmm. coverage against Minnesota, and I think you could have you could afford man coverage with that group because, you know, Adam Thielen was a shell of himself throughout most of the season and pretty much throughout that game. Stephon Diggs kind of more, you know, I, he's a, he's still developing as a receiver and he's getting much better at some of the intermediate stuff, but he's more of a Torrey Smith kind of a deep threat, north-south kind of guy right now. And, you know, if, if he keeps working at his craft, which I get the impression that he wants to improve constantly, then he'll he can definitely be uh, a more you know, possession receiver, which is more Adam Thielen's thing. Adam Thielen's also, you know, a, a red zone threat, but he's also one of the possession guys. Kyle Rudolph really didn't come on until the latter half of the season. And the speed of our linebackers, I think you can afford man coverage there because our, I feel like, I felt like with the exception of Stefan Diggs, our speed are, uh, well, I would say, oh, I, I take it back because Emmanuel Mosley was stride for stride with, Stephon Diggs, and after we pulled out Witherspoon, Emmanuel Mosley locked him up, and so you do you did have speed match there. So the speed, I feel like the speed matchup with that team was much more even, and if if not a little more more advantageous on our end, so we could afford the man coverage for those looks during that game. But this is the one team that I don't think you can afford man coverage because there's just way too much speed. I think we definitely have to play zone more and force Patrick Mahomes to throw underneath and take away his big threat. So I'm curious as to see, you know, what 
what happens? Are we going to see more dime looks as a result? Or, you know, will we stay in our base package? Or, you know, I think you definitely got to consider the nickel package to get Kawan Williams involved because we're definitely going to see some coverage mashups between Kawan Alexander and Travis Kelsey and also Kwan Williams against Travis Kelsey. But you're also going to see some other mix-ups too between Sammy Watkins, Tariq Hill. They line up these guys all over the place. None of these guys are designated one-two slot. They all, they're interchangeable in all of those wide receiver positions. So that's going to be the one of the biggest match. I think, I think what you said kind of nailed it. It's going to be the biggest matchup of the game is our wide receivers against our secondary. And you mean their wide receivers? Their wide receivers. Oh, I, yes. I, I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes versus the front four. But you're saying you think it's going to be the wide receivers versus the secondary. That's going to be the the biggest battle. It's it's going to be because well, I mean, it's a combination of the two, right? Yeah. It's slowing down I Patrick so Mahomes, too. taking away his you know, his his rushing ability is very much now. I don't know how how you perceive him, but to me, his rushing style is more akin to a Russell Wilson type. Absolutely. He's not. He's not really a. Lamar Jackson, a Taysom Hill, a, you know, uh, who else? Uh, Kyler Murray. He's not that type of runner. He's like, he really does want to get rid of the ball. And running is really a last resort. Like, I've got nothing, so I should just try to scramble and get some yardage that way and keep the play alive that way. Or, you know, just roll out, escape, escape a pass rush and try to wait for my guys' speed to open up throwing lanes for me because he can throw the ball out so quick he's actually he's almost if not a little bit faster in his release than uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and 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 but and he also played baseball like Jimmy did too I believe he was a shortstop so again that's why he has multiple angles he can throw from you know like the no look pass and the flick and the sidearm all that stuff you know is that's it's good to have a baseball background in that regard you know it's funny because with with that kind of background, it gave him all these multiple angles. But Colin Kaepernick played bas- baseball too, but unfortunately, it didn't help him. It actually, elongated his throwing motion, which made him more susceptible for the pass rush. But I think he was a pitcher, and not so much a fielder, which is what the big difference between uh, those two are. Meaning, he his his throwing strength was in his velocity, not so much his angle. Whereas Mahomes has both. He has velocity and he has angle, which makes him a more dynamic thrower as a result. So slowing him down is really going to obviously be the key, the talking point we've heard in almost every single breakdown between these two. But my question is like, I think because he's more of a Russell Wilson type, and to be honest, he looks even about almost the same speed, maybe a smidge slower. I know the big run a week ago was impressive to look like, but it's he wasn't blazing past people. There was a lot. There was a lot more mis tackling happening there yes. than you know than than him kind of blazing past people the way Lamar Jackson does, a la Barry Sanders. So I think that that he's not that, he's not um, he's not Lamar Jackson by far. He's not a running back that also doubles as a quarterback. He's just a, a good decisive runner. That. But they are. Everyone's treating him like he is like the the second coming of Lamar Jackson in these playoffs. That he's one, really that not. last no, run, I, I don't that last one was so impressive. But there is no way that the Forty ers would tackle that sloppy. No, in fact, the first the first two guys that got a crack at Patrick Mahomes, that on our front, that's the equivalent of like say, Quan Alexander and Fred Warner. 
You know, do you really think those guys are going to bite on the juke or or not be able to catch up to Patrick Mahomes? The speed, the speed is so much different. And I think that we can absolutely close the lanes laterally against him up front. If the if if the pass rush is, is opens up a big wide gap up the middle, it's really going to be important for the linebackers to really close in there between Greenlaw, Ford and uh, Quan Alexander. Quan Alexander being one of the big keys in those moments when they do arise because they are going to happen on Sunday. You know, uh, he has the speed. He has the best speed out of all of them to really cut. He used to be, I think he used to play secondary. I'm not sure. I know um, Ray Ray Armstrong used to have tremendous speed. He played for us briefly and the Raiders too. And he was a former uh, defensive back before moving over to a middle linebacker. And he, he always impressed me with his speed because he had great coverage skills but just didn't wasn't quite great against the run in terms of getting the right angle. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. So I think, yeah, you got to take some good angles on him because, you know, there's there was so many times between Lamar, Kyler Murray, and Russell Wilson where the pass rush got, you know, the edges came around and pushed those guys forward, and then the interior guys got split by the tackles and the center. And, or I'm sorry, the guards in the center, and that opened up huge running lanes up the middle. You know, that kind of stuff, you need to, you know, it's it's going to be hard, but the Niners are going to have to be very cognizant about, you know, containing their gap control uh, within the pass rush to, to make sure that it's claustrophobic, that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have escape routes. And it's, it's, it's not going to be foolproof. I feel like he's going to get some running opportunities and he's going to have some successful runs. I just think that his speed is not like the other quarterbacks we face this year. And I think he, out of all the mobile quarterbacks we're facing, all, all, the, all the ones that we faced up to this game, I think that Mahomes is the slowest of that group. I agree. And, and so I do think that it's going to be a little bit easier to keep him you know, within his within his little zone and not allow him. And he's going to get rushed. Remember, he's going against a, a defensive front that is much faster than anything he saw in Tennessee or uh, Houston. And so the disparity is going to be completely different. Remember, those were those were bottom ranked defenses. Those were bottom 10 ranked defenses. Now you're going up against number two, number two between number two, number two and 20 something. You know, the, the difference between those two is is like, you know, night and day. It's like Division three versus Division one football. There's just a huge difference between the talent level and the cohesiveness between all the players on that front. And so I think, again, big decision there. But offensively, you know, now now we're talking about because we've talked a lot about the Niner defense, you know, maybe l- let me pass it back to you. How do you see, you know, how do you see the offense, our offense, faring against this Kansas City defense? So that's a great question because I think a lot of myths have been developed over the final two weeks and through this playoff run for the 49ers. Would you agree with that? There have been a lot of myths that have been purported to be this is the quote-unquote way the 49ers want to play. As if the entire yeah. season is just it's just completely left everyone's minds. The right. number one myth is that the 49ers just want to run the ball down your throat. Well, that's not really entirely true. In fact, it's you like know, yes, it's like yes and no, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, the answer is the 49ers want to run, want to do whatever it takes to win down your throat. So whatever that is, is what we're going to do. The question is, 
What are we going to do on Sunday? Are the Niners going to run the ball down their throat? No idea. You know, at all season long, we've had Breida look like the superstar. Coleman look like the superstar. Mostert look like the superstar. Jimmy G look like the superstar. It, whoever we've needed to be the superstar on that day has answered the bell. And the 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 thing is, is that no one knows what Kyle Shannon's going to do. And Shanahan is not – everything that we have seen up to this point for the last two weeks, Raymond, I do not believe is going to be the same exact gameplay on Sunday. If everyone thinks that he's going to go out there and just do the exact same gameplay of the last two weeks, you have not been paying attention to Kyle Shanahan at all. He, what he is going to do is which expose— is, Which is actually where a lot of that those bad takes come from because they're, they've only been watching the playoffs. They haven't been watching the season. So they're encapsulating the Niners' philosophy from two games. And you know what, Raymond? I'm going to be honest. The other problem is 90. 90- Eight percent of the people, the pundits trying to talk about the 49ers only know a fraction of what Kyle Shanna knows about football uh, play calling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there these we, we, we are monkeys trying to understand uh, an Einstein here. Try, yeah. Trying to to guess what what he's doing, uh, you know. It, I, you know, I don't want to keep naming names. Um, we know who I'm talking about, but we uh, across the board. But this guy is the best pay caller in the game. He's on a Belichickian level. That isn't hyperbolic. That's just the truth. And I think that whatever game plan we do on Sunday, I don't think the Chiefs' defense is going to be prepared. I don't think they're going to have an easy time with it. The 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 difference between the 49ers' offense and the Chiefs' offense is that the Chiefs only have one dimension. Everyone's acting like the 49ers only have one dimension. We've only had one dimension, quote-unquote, one dimension because it's all we've needed. And that one dimension has been passed around to many people. Bill Samuels, George Kittle, uh, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert. Many people's fingers have gotten on that ball, even on this quote-unquote one dimension. So it, whereas we know exactly where the ball's going, it's going to go to Tyreek Hill, it's going to go to Sammy Watkins, it's going to go to that wide receiver corner. And that's basically it. That's it. That's what they're going to do. Now they're so fast, they're so good at it, as I've said many times, that it hasn't really needed to be much more than that. But the 49ers' ability to scheme, to to confuse defenses, to use play action, to use motion, to to for to 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 force defenses to reveal the schemes they, that they want to play before the play begins, those things allow the 49er offense to pick other defenses apart. You know, Kyle Shannon's literally, he'll put in a motion and explain to Jimmy G, listen, when this motion goes through, if this player does that. You're gonna throw the ball here. If the player right. goes this way, you're gonna throw the ball there. You know, it's it's right. literally that's how he breaks this down. He makes this so easy for his offense to um, to execute. Right. And or or they're or they're they're purposely doing it to to set to set up the defense. Like, hey, I want you to motion this way because more than likely X player is gonna follow you in that motion, and we want him on this side of the field because our run's gonna come this way. Or, or our pass, something like that, where, again, the motion is designed to either reveal an advantage or create an advantage. You're, you're either you're trying to expose the defense with the motion or you're trying to, you know, you're trying to exploit the defense with the motion. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what's going on here. And so I don't. I, I said this when Louis B was on earlier in the week. Uh, I'm not sure if you if you if you heard our com- our full conversation, but I, t- I Louis B and I were talking, and I said I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, Kyle Shannon goes out there and throws six passes for the first for the first drive 
or does all passing for the first drive? That wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise me. It it all depends on. We saw what, that in Minnesota. Yeah, pretty it much. All, it all depends on what is going to be necessary to win the game. And I think it's funny, and I'm smart enough and humble enough to know that I have no idea what Kyle Shanahan's going to do, and that the that what he's going to do is going to be schemed to to pick apart the Kansas City Chiefs. And all this talk about, well, Jimmy G can't handle the pressure and all they want to do is run, that's bullshit. I'm just going to call it right now. It, this the, the lack of understanding actually only shows me how bright Kyle Shannon truly is, how easily he's able to fool every pundit, everybody watching. The only guys that I had noticed, the most intelligent conversations coming out are football analysts whose job it is actually to generate and create stats and analysis for NFL teams. I've heard those guys talk like the guys that actually create the stats for the teams. I've had amazing I've heard amazing conversations from those guys and then really intelligent ex or current players that are really at the top of their game. Those are the guys that have had the most insightful uh insightful thoughts and opinions on each of the each of the team's playmaking abilities and more often than more often than not a lot of those guys have leaned towards the 49ers you know they have actually two of them uh, i'll i'll mention is james jones and greg jennings two former green bay receivers um you know they they've they they acknowledge their bias which is expected but they they both gave fair analysis is that they believe the Niners are the team that's going to win in the favored team in this matchup. And to me, that's kind of all I really see when I, the only thing I see that's more of an even matchup is the chiefs passing game and our secondary. I, you really have, despite what the rankings say, what you really have is number one pass going up against number one pass defense. That's really what I see, you know, to put the rankings aside because teams one through four, you know, they're not in the tournament. They don't count anymore. And some of them, as I mentioned earlier, were more padded stats because those teams were bad teams that were put in situations where they had no choice to pass. Not like the Chiefs were, who really kind of elect to pass because it's so dynamic. And so that to me is the more the most even matchup that I see on, on paper between these two teams. Patrick Mahomes' ability to distribute the football against the number one secondary in the NFL. That was number one virtually all season long they they it was sub 200 all season long that's those are crazy numbers it's really really difficult to do that it was you know that's historic level where it goes i believe it's like you know a top 10 or top five in terms of uh pass defense it's up there it's up there pretty high uh, I know, I know it's up there. I, I just don't know exactly which number, but that that to me is the only even one. But the rushing game, our rushing game is so sophisticated. Again, we say it all the time. This is a state of the art outside zone rushing game that also has the ability to do power. Also has inside zone. All of those wrinkles between the three backs, and at times we've had to use our fourth, Jeff Jeff Wilson Jr., who had the big key catch-and-run touchdown against the Arizona Cardinals in that final drive, by the way, uh, led by Jimmy G, who had to beat the Cardinals with his arm in a very tough division matchup. So we have a fourth if it comes to it, you know, because he does play special teams. So if one of our guys goes down or if Tevin Coleman's shoulder begins to act up, you know, don't be surprised if he takes a, a snap too, because in the couple games that he played, he for for whatever reason he became he almost took he took Raheem Mostert's 
what Raheem Mostert's role became in the latter half of the season, which was a big red zone back. And he scored four touchdowns in back-to-back game in, in, in two game, the two games that he played. And so, so don't forget that too. But again, that to me against a really bad rushing defense that even though they were ranked 23rd in the NFL, they did play a lot better in, in the playoffs. And here, here's another thing that people forget. Uh, and, you know, I know our listeners have heard this too, because, you know, I know our listeners are ardent fans and you've been hearing all of the talks and the comparisons. Tell me if you've heard this one. And, and you tell me too, Rudy. The Chiefs stopped Derrick Henry. They stuffed Derrick Henry. And we all know what really happened when you look again. This is this is the difference between looking at the tree and not the forest. What I saw was Derrick Henry had 69 yards and one touchdown in the first half. He was on pace, on pace for another game like he had in the previous other of at game. least 120 what? yards. At yes, least. At, at least, at least, at least. I mean, he was he, he had nearly 70 yards. He was on pace for 140, which is still great for him. And could have scored another touchdown if, if they'd gotten into the red zone. But here's the problem. Here's what really happened. And and to take a look at that game. I'm not making this up. This is, this is accurate. Derrick Henry only had three carries in the second half. Why? Would the team have given up on those three carries if all three of those carries were TFLs? by Kansas City, and they had the lead? No, they would have kept feeding him no matter what. The problem was that the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes recaptured the lead before the first half or before the second half. And I think Vrabel felt a little pressured to stick to the run game. They were only down by a score. It was 17-21 to 21 at half. To me, plenty of time. Uh, with, with that kind of margin, that narrow margin, obviously it, it's a one possession. You need more than a field goal to take the lead. So you need a touchdown to do it. But this, at the same time, that's that's plenty of football and and plenty of a of a, of a narrow gap to, to warrant more Derrick Henry to control the clock, keep the Chiefs off the field. But what did they do? They immediately went to the pass and started to lean on Tannehill. And that was their big, big, big mistake in that game. Because 69 yards and one touchdown is what got them the lead in the first half. They couldn't hold on to it. But instead of continuing the game plan, which was control the clock and protect the lead, they felt they had to play catch up and they felt that they had to match Kansas City through their passing game, which was a big mistake because their passing game, their passing game, it's not like our our situation where our running game was so dominant we didn't need to pass. Their their situation is Tennessee is like, no, our running game is so good because we can't pass. We can't pass very well, or I should say, is a better way to put it. They just don't. They have their their weapons are young, inexperienced, and just they're they're not developed yet. And they're not you know dynamic. And I think their best receiver was a rookie, so you know that was that was the real story. It wasn't that the Chiefs stuffed the, you know the the best runner, the rushing champion of the NFL. No, it's they got the lead and they had to play catch up via the pass, and so Derrick Henry just got pulled out of the game plan. Simple as that. Simple as that. Absolutely. One hundred percent. I I want to go back. I want to go back to. Let's talk about this 49ers Saints game. Let's really look at the stats here, and I, I I think this is really important. Jimmy Garoppolo was twenty six of thirty five for three hundred and forty nine yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Baller. Three hundred forty nine yards, four touchdown passes, twenty six of thirty five, one interception. When he went up against the Packers, 
Another pretty big game. 37-8. This is regular season. He was 14 of 20, 253 yards, two touchdown passes. So excellent stats. Excellent, excellent stats. Uh, when he went up against the Rams, not as many touchdowns. 16 of 27, 248 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, unfortunately. Not the greatest on the interception level, but he's more than capable of airing it out. Yeah, but is my bo- point. both Arizona games, look at both Arizona games. Those were big games. You know, it, he's more than capable of doing this. Um, it is, uh, it's very frustrating to hear this, but I actually think it's fuel for the fire for the 49ers. I think the amount of talk that has been thrown their way, it just feeds the fire. It really, really does. Yeah, all of a sudden now the the uh, the Chiefs are this um, unstoppable run-stop run stop machine, and I just think they could be far from the truth. I mean, if you just really look at these two teams, the 49ers are just a more evenly balanced team. We can beat you defensively. We can offensively. We can beat you several ways on either side of the ball. The Kansas City Chiefs do one thing. They have Patrick Mahomes. They have wide receivers. They have a good O-line. That is it. That is it. They have a decent defense who's gone against garbage AFC teams. They, they, they are not able to run the ball. They are so one-dimensional. This is literally it. I've had Chiefs fans get angry. I've had people, people, I, you know, I work in a Chiefs bar. I've had people get angry. I've had people, you know, tell me these things. It, it, it's, it is just, I am not, you know, we are not making this up. This is a very one-dimensional team. They are the best at that one dimension. That is why they are here. Their defense has been able to pull it together against what I think to be very pedestrian offenses. I, and I don't, I don't really think that I think it's a combination of pedestrian offenses, players getting hot, but they have gone, they have not gone against anything like this. I love that Frank Clark said that they haven't gone against a defense like him. I like that he believes that's he's all the defense that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to need. I hope they continue to believe that because they're this team is going to going to drive that ball down their throat, and it's going to be a bit of, uh, quite a shock for for Frank Clark and and the Kansas City Chiefs when, when this all goes down. So, Raymond, I have some great prop bet questions for you that I would like to go through right now. I have a great list. All right. This is really fun. I picked, I went through the entire Super Bowl 54 prop bet list, Goldcast Empire, and I have going to, we're we're not worrying about the betting. We're just, I'm just going to ask Raymond the questions and I'm going to see what he chooses and we're going to see how close he gets after this game in our recap episode. So, Raymond, here are the Super Bowl 54 prop bets that I thought would be really fun to decide upon here on the Gold Cast. All right. So the opening coin toss, Raymond, will be heads or tails? Tails. Tails never fails. Tails never fails. Will either team score three times in a row? No. Agreed. I'm like writing his answers possessions? down. Yes. Well, no, just deal with they score three unanswered times. No. No, yeah. not at all. Will either team score in the final two minutes of the first half? I think so. Yeah. Here's a great one. Will either team score in the final three and a half minutes of the end of the game. I think so. Yes. Will Jimmy G 
thrown interception. <laughs> you know, the, the odds, it's so, um, the odds would tell you, yes, the probability is high, but I'm going to say no. Yo, yeah, right, yeah. I'm going to say no. I'm going to roll the dice on that one. Will Patrick Mahomes throw an interception? Yes, he will. Oh! It will be, be caught by Richard Sherman. I think so, too! He's had an interception in every playoff game. Uh, I, almost every playoff game he's played. But I don't think he's had one. I don't know if he's had any the this this season. Has he had any this season? Yeah. Okay. He picked off uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers' last pass. Was oh, no, I'm sorry. To, I thought you meant Mahomes. Hadn't, hadn't thrown an interception. I had thrown an interception. No. No, not Patrick Mahomes. He's throw, he threw uh, Patrick Mahomes threw six picks. He hasn't thrown any picks in the postseason, but he uh, he threw six picks during. He, here's what I will say: Patrick Mahomes does a out does an outstanding job protecting the football. He is terrific. He is he he is just as good as Alex Smith, but far more dynamic and expansive with his throwing ability. So so I, I will give him props there, but I think that streak ends in the Super Bowl, and I think it ends to Richard Sherman, who just is, has a great knack for catching the football. We all know what happened to Kirk Cousins. He bought, he got caught in the pressure and threw the ball prematurely, and it, Richard Sherman was right where he needed to be to make that play. And the same thing happened to Aaron Rodgers, where Aaron Rodgers was really kind of just throwing up whatever the hell. He was like, eh, you know, fuck it. We're gonna, not going to win this anyways. Might as well just go for a, a dignity score. And Richard Sherman, you know, read it like a book because it was a very easy read. And then he's going to go up. He's going to go up to the cameras and he go, those Chiefs wide receivers are sorry. They're sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's going to go, you like that? You like, you that? like that? I like that. Raymond, which team will score first? San Francisco. Ooh. Okay. Which team will score last? I think Kansas City will. The first score in the game will be a touchdown or any other score? I think it's a touchdown. The last score. The last score will be a touchdown or any other score. The last one will be a touchdown, like a passing touchdown. You know, that that doesn't matter because the, the score... The score has put the game out of reach. Will there be a safety? No. Total sacks by the 49ers over under two and a half. Over? Yeah. Easy. What about for the Chiefs? They're also set at two and a half. Will they go over or under? Mm, probably under. I think under. I think they get, you know, maybe they get two. You kind of already answered this one. Will Richard Sherman intercept the ball? Yep. Yes, he will. I believe you. What will happen first for the Chiefs? A punt or a score? Mm, I think a punt. Mm, I think a punt too. And then my final one, Raymond. My final one. These are these are just there. There's so many. You guys can go online. There's just so many. These were the ones that I just thought would be really fun to talk about on the gold cast. But who is most likely to be named MVP of Super Bowl 54? And I'm going to go in list of the one, two, three, four, five, the top five 
uh, names that Vegas has put with the best odds, okay? Patrick Mahomes, who set it even. Raheem Mostert, 7-1. Jimmy G, 7-2. Nick Bosa, 16-1. George Kittle, 18-1. Who will most likely be named MVP of Super Bowl 54? Raymond, you're on the clock. Man, this is a tough one. I'm going to say, gosh, I'm going to say my first inclination was Jimmy Garoppolo, and then I thought secondly for George Kittle. So why don't I go with my first my first reaction, which was Jimmy. I'll say Jimmy. All right, there we go. Just to recap this one more time, Raymond says the opening coin toss will be tails. No team will score three times in a row, three times unanswered. The a team will score in the final two minutes of the first half. One of the teams will score in the final three and a half minutes of the game. Jimmy G will not throw an interception. Patrick Mahomes will throw an interception. The first team to score will be San Francisco. The last team to score will be Kansas City. The first score will be a touchdown. The last score will be a touchdown. There will not be a safety. Total sacks, the 49ers will go over two and a half. The Chiefs will go under two and a half. Richard Sherman will intercept the ball. The first, uh, what will happen first for the Chiefs, a punt or a TD, it will be a punt. And Raymond says that Patrick Mahomes, or Jimmy G, Patrick Mahomes, how dare I, Jimmy G will be named MVP of Super Bowl 54. Those are fun, right? Those are some fun ones. Those are good ones. Yeah, I picked I picked a bunch of good ones. I was like, oh, these are all fun. I like all these juicy fun ones out of all the ones I saw. There's literally, there's literally, there's, I went through 37 pages of them. I'm not exaggerating. It was intense. <laughs> uh, 37 pages of prop bets, and those are the ones that I really enjoyed. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll put those up on the Goldcast and see if anyone everyone dareth answer them. Okay, Raymond, let's get to our final predictions for this game. We have heard many takes. I mean, I think most people know how we're leaning. If you guys have heard us for the last two weeks, it's pretty obvious where we lean. But Raymond, why don't you deliver your final score for the game? I think it's going to be 35-21 San Francisco. I think we won by two possessions. Oh, wow. I was originally saying at the beginning two weeks ago, 45-42 in favor of the 49ers. Oh, like you thought it was going to be like the Saints game. Yeah, I thought it was easily like the Saints game. But as the week has gone on and really just analyzing the Chiefs and the 49ers and just hearing everyone talk – I believe it's going to be a little bit less scoring. I'm going to say 35-28 in favor of the 49ers. It'll be a closer game. I'm going to, I think it's going to be a little bit closer. Um, that garbage time touchdown that you're talking about will come in the final minutes of the game, and then the 49ers will most likely run out the clock. I actually also think the first, the last, the last, uh, the last score of the game will actually be a field goal. That's what I think it's going to be. I don't mm. think it's going to be a touchdown. But Raymond says 35-21 in favor of the 49ers. I say 35-28 in favor of the 49ers. What say you, Goldcast Nation? Let us know 
at youtube.com slash the gold cast. Go on there. I'm actually going to lay all these exact same prop bets out for anyone that wants to take a stab at them. They'll be on uh, on youtube.com slash the gold cast. All of the prop bets will be there that we, that Raymond answered today. Let's see how close you get. Uh, I want to see if anyone takes up the challenge and, uh, uh, we'll just see where where people land, and you know what, Patch uh, Candlestick Will loves to loves to put up uh, lists and uh, and uh, see what, uh, what people answer. So we'll we'll have Candlestick Will put this on Twitter too. I think that'll be really fun. So, man, now that we're done with all that, great episode. I just want to say, Raymond, from me to you, it's been a pleasure for the last seven years to sit here and to talk about the 49ers with you through all the shitty seasons, through all the bad coaches, through all the pitfalls, the glories, the ups and downs, watching dynasties from our other teams. You and I have been here every step of the way, and it's been an absolute pleasure to to sit sit across from you and talk sports and talk Bay Area sports. And now here we are, Raymond, with our favorite team in the whole world and a chance to win our sixth Super Bowl ring, the one that has eluded us for 25 years. And I just want to say it's been a pleasure, and I'm really happy that we're here. Me too. Gosh, couldn't have said it better myself. It's been such a long time coming. We've been waiting and hoping. You know, we you knew a franchise, a franchise like this doesn't, you know, they're going to have downtimes, and I know our downtime seemed a lot longer. I felt like it went on a little bit longer than it should have. I, you know, part of that was because, you know, the, the Harbaugh debacle really ended, ended abruptly and threw a monkey wrench into our resurgence. But uh, this this new regime really does have the a vision that's more in line with what we were able to accomplish in the 80s and 90s and that to me gets not only me very excited about this opportunity to play for a championship but also future opportunities to play for a championship because that's really the goal here and I think John without saying it directly the inference that I made was that John and Kyle were really trying to build a a a kind of a, a team that was capable of you know of competing for a, a dynasty and not necessarily a one and done, like say the Rams, for example, that kind of bet their future mortgaged their future the last two years in order to try to get a shot, which they did get a shot. You know, it did work in that regard. It just wasn't enough to get them over the hump. It was not. And I agree. This is team is built for a dynasty and I am so excited. And as I've mentioned before, I am actually very calm. Talking about those prop bets made me very, for some reason, really riled me up and made me nervous. And I started to feel like the adrenaline as if the game was really happening, as if we were deciding the game, you know? Yeah, those um, are fun. Those are really I mean, those fun. Those are just the ones that you Picked. chose to, uh, to, to pick, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's 37 pages. Those are the ones I chose. Uh, you know, there's I don't even <laughs> know how many that is, but there was, there was so many more, so many more. You know, how many sacks will Nick Bosa get? How many sacks will every defensive player get? Uh, you know, who's going to who's gonna score the first first touchdown? Who's going to score the last touchdown? I mean, like, there was a million of them, and I was like, let's just cut it there. I've, I've got I've got enough fun ones. I could I could have added easily 10 or 15 more. But uh, you know, I don't. I don't want this to become a two and a half hour gold cast of just us answering prop bets. Yeah, but, that's literally how many there are. But I am strangely very calm going into this weekend, and I maybe it's because we've had a lot of reps this decade, this last decade. A friend of mine, 
uh, he was on the phone with me, a buddy of mine named by the name of Melvin Jones. He was talking to me and he said, you know, y'all, y'all the new Boston, you know, you know that, right? Y'all the new Boston. He goes, man, I, I hate your teams. And I started laughing. I said, what do you mean by the new Boston? He goes, man, he goes, y'all go from the Giants to the Warriors. Now, the second the Warriors go down, now the 49ers are the Super Bowl. He's like, he's like every, every single year we always got to deal with the San Francisco team in a championship. I was like, well, I'm finally glad someone has recognized it. We've been talking about that for years on, on our podcast. He goes, y'all are the new Boston. You guys really are becoming it. He goes, and if you win the Super Bowl, you're definitely the new Boston. I was like, well, I think we already have been. We've had far more success than they have in the last 10 years. And, I, and yes, I think we're only getting started with this new regime, uh, which was funny. Yeah, and and, and don't uh, don't uh, sleep on the Warriors. Remember, all, all of their starters are injured and not playing. So wait for the big three to come back. And, you know, we're going to see some difference makers there. Because guess what? Everything that's happening there, just a quick, just a quick note for the Warriors and to just remind the Bay Area of what's coming. The, the group that's playing right now and losing all these games, that unit is basically training and preparing to be a very efficient and more so effective second unit for the starters when they come back. When, by the time our starters come back, think about how prepared the second unit is going to be from all of the growing pains they're going through this season. It's, you know, basketball is not over, not by a long shot. We're just, you know, we're just retooling right now. Oh, and then we're going to have one of those number one draft picks. And I'm telling you now, in the summer, I know we're kind of getting off a tangent here, in the summer, there will be a disgruntled superstar whose phone will be ringing or he will pick up his phone and the Golden State Warriors are going to be on the other end and we will have a new super team. It's happening because that's just how this rolls. But anyways, getting back to this, getting back to the 49ers, yeah, we're definitely they're definitely we're definitely not done on that side. Uh I I think all of the all the postseason that we've been through has relaxed me a little bit, but it's more than that. I'm just genuinely confident that the 49ers are gonna win this game. Genuinely. From the bottom of my heart, I just believe it's our time and that this team is built specifically to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't believe the Kansas City Chiefs are built to defeat us. They really not. And I, all these, all these, every, every, all the success of this game for the Chiefs is predicated on uh, the wide receivers running fast and Chiefs and and Patrick Mahomes uh, running for some yards. That's basically it. That's that's what this entire game. Everyone's predicating this entire game on those two things happening for four straight quarters, and it's just not going to be that way. They have not faced a team like this one. And I hope you're right, Raymond. I hope it's 35-21. I hope with two minutes left to go, we're up by 14 points, and there's just not enough time for Patrick Mahomes to do Patrick Mahomes things. To do, to do Patrick Mahomes things. I really hope you're right. I really Because I, if they start out slow like they have the last two weeks, good luck. This is done. This is if, if we get out to, to 21 points or, or 24 points, if, if we do to them what we did to the Packers or what Houston and Tennessee did to Kansas City in the playoffs, it is over. Uh, if, if, there, if any Chiefs fan, anyone from the Tomahawk cast, if you're listening to this right now, if that happens, your team is done. We will not release that lead. We will continue to step on that throat. Kyle Shanahan, I said this after he lost the Super Bowl against the, uh, uh, with, against the Patriots. It was the greatest thing ever to happen to our coach because he's never going to lose a Super Bowl again. 
And I believe from the bottom of my heart, Kyle Shanahan will not lose his Super Bowl on Sunday. We will win this game. We will get the sixth one. He learned from his mistakes. This team is ready. They have more Super Bowl experience than than anyone on the Kansas City side, including their coach. Every single person has been to the dance. We have seven players with Super Bowl experience here, not including championship games. Two coaches that have been in Super Bowls. Salah has won them and lost them, and Shanahan's won them. I mean, lost them. So the last time Reed was here was 10 years ago. And last time I checked, uh, not always the greatest uh, track record for the postseason for Andy Reed. So I am not afraid of the Chiefs at all. And if you're listening to this podcast, if you listen to the Goldcast, you should not be afraid of the Chiefs either. We got this. We have this. The 49ers got this. All you've got to do is fan up and give it your all. And uh, they're going to give us some heart palpitations. It's going to get really scary. There's going to be moments where we feel like the world is caving in on us. But the 49ers are going to win this game. Raymond, any final thoughts from you? Those were mine. Just that watch the line of scrimmage. Because that's where this game is really going to be fought and won. And watch the watch the Kansas City wide receivers versus our secondary. That's going to be a terrific battle. But more importantly, watch the way the Niners are able to contain Patrick Mahomes more so than the two previous defenses they faced. I think they're, to me, Kansas City's in store for a bit of a rude awakening from that regard, coming from Tennessee and Houston to now playing San Francisco. It's a it's a different beast. You know, we talk about Ryan Clark saying, hey, they ain't never played nobody like me. Uh, no, it's, it's more like Frank Clark, you guys Frank have, Clark. Frank Clark. It's more like you guys have not played a team like the Niners. It's it's really night and day. It really is. It really is. All right. Here we go. Next stop, the Super Bowl. For everyone involved, so concludes another edition of the Gold Cast, the Super Bowl edition of the Gold Cast. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom! We will be back Monday night to recap this episode. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. This is, is the Goldcast. Cast.